Hi, girl. Hi. Libby, my dearest. I bring you today chapter five. And my apologies if my audio quality is not up to par. And I also apologize if it's not feeling the signature sound. <laughs> Which I don't know what that means. But according to Jared, there must be a signature sound if I'm using the same recording device or microphone apparatus, so to speak. <laughs> but, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this sounds okay. Because frankly, I literally cannot listen to it without, like, wanting to delete it and then never. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels... Like, listening to myself talk is insane. I don't do it. I, frankly, I stay away from that because I, uh, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Because then I have things to be, like, embarrassed or ashamed about. And, um, it's just better to avoid that so I just don't listen to myself speak. And once it's out, it's out. I didn't hear it. It wasn't real. <laughs> I know I could probably, uh, sh should start listening and, like, being self-aware, but oh, that is just not, I can't do it right now. I'm so sorry. Uh, but anyway, I've got, I've got chapter five for you on this chilly December evening. It's cold today. And I didn't have my winter jacket. I just pulled it out of the cold room slash sweltering room. That's the the Three Seasons porch. It's, it's frigid in the winter and it's sweltering in the summer. Sometimes it's temperate, but you know what I mean. Usually the weather is not temperate, but sometimes. Okay, who am I to complain about the weather? I don't like to look at the snow. I don't want to deal with the snow. I need to just get better tools to face it. You know what I mean? I need a new jacket. I should just go shop for a jacket, but hot diggity. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> I will say this. I feel like maybe working at working from home is appealing to me even though I really don't like it it feels much <laughs> like a better option when I can just be like on a cold winter morning you know what I mean just roll out of bed and start working instead of uh dueling the whole shebang the but we'll see how that goes mm. Alrighty, so without further ado well I will adieu without further ado. What's adieu? I'm going to continue adieuing. Because there's more things I, I've just remembered I need to say. First of all, my mouth is very dry and I'm going to actively drink water. And I am sorry. I'm sorry if that you have to hear it is basically what I'm saying. So with that. All right. That was a swig. I hope you didn't... I, I I won't listen to this, so I have no idea. But that felt like a very dramatic one. So, um, the things I needed to say. 
is that I would like to give a shout out to my dear friend. <laughs> I don't know if friend's the right word. Yeah, friends, if you're here, if you're listening to me, Libby, you're my friend. And if you're someone that's not Libby, I, you're my friend too, because you're putting up with me. And um, I don't know if this is piracy or whatever, but I feel like maybe not. It cannot, certainly cannot be worth enough to be considered like piracy <laughs> or like copyright infringement. I don't know. I feel like I... I'm not profiting from it. I'm, you know what I'm saying? And I could get this book, I don't know, at the library. You could get this book at the library. It's not like, right, but could you? I don't know. Perhaps. But like, I'm just, why not? This is just whatever. I'm just reading it to my friends, okay? So that's all I have to say about that. Um, but I would like to say a shout out to my dear friend, Pranav who I feel like I didn't say that right, and I'm going to try again. Prunov, and I feel like that's not good either, and I don't know how to say it, and I apologize. But, shout out to you, who sent me a message on Instagram. I love to hear it. I'm so curious. I'm so curious about all of you who are not Libby, and I feel like Libby is also curious about all of you who are not Libby. So, <laughs> um, if you want to send me a message or uh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Reach out. I guess I, I put my Instagram out there earlier, but I, maybe I should write it down somewhere. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, my handle is at Hanukkah Miggins, I think. Oh boy. Now I don't even know. I'm going to check in this instantaneous moment. Hanukkah underscore Miggins. Oh, I meant to, now that I go to Instagram, I meant to say this. I follow, as a female developer, software developer, I don't know, what, whatever you want to call it, coder, <laughs> I follow Girls Who Code, and they are, like, um, showing, they're showing. You can, like, code a music video, and you don't really, I don't think you need to know how to code. Like, I think it teaches you how to code. Uh, frankly, I haven't tried it yet. But it's dojacode.com, and you can basically, like, customize the music video using code. And um, I just feel like that's so cool, and I really should do it, but I never, my laptop is always in my spare room where I work from home, but never work from home. I never grab it. I never, I'm never, um, I never, I I feel like I'm on the computer all day and I don't want to be on the computer all night. You know what I mean? I'd rather stare at a screen that's farther away. <laughs> a TV, mostly. Or maybe a phone. But mostly a TV. But I'm not watching TV now. I'm doing something productive. And that is reading for you. So I feel like I just talked myself in a great big circle and maybe left some loopholes and I don't. Maybe I'll snag myself later because I feel like I'm meant to say something that I didn't say. But <sighs> I think I should stop talking now. I, I'm, I just would like to say, yeah, we're ready to go with chapter five. And I have a suspicion that this chapter is going to be difficult for me to, for me to pull off, okay? Um... 
frankly, the accents and the voices, I just let them flow through me, okay? I'm not, I don't, I, I feel like I don't, sometimes I might miss it or, like, not do it right. You know what I mean? And, um, I'm just vibing with it. So, like, from, cha honestly, from chapter to chapter, I'm like, I, I don't know what I said for that guy last time. I don't know how I sounded, all right? <laughs> I'm just living with it in the moment, okay? We're being in the moment here. Except that we're not, because we're in the moment of the story. But that's so delightful, isn't it? Okay, without further ado. Chapter 5 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince by J.K. Rowling. Chapter 5. An Excess of Phlegm. You heard it. An excess of phlegm. Something I don't, honestly, am like, this is the worst time I could be doing this because I have literally lacked the moisture in my throat. I wish I had some phlegm. Mm -mm. I have no phlegm. I'm trying to make some phlegm by drinking some water. So, the chapter art is none under, none under, none under, none under, none under, None, uh, none other. Okay. Words are hard. My tongue doesn't work. None other than Fleur Delacour. And I do not know if I say that right. And I, that's the first of my struggles. I assume I will also speak her words incorrectly and wrong and terribly. So I think it's Fleur Delacour. And, um... Because it's a girl, and she's very pretty. She, like, kind of looks like a Disney princess, if you know what I mean. Like, those, those, like, um, what you call it, features. Like, those attributes. Her face. She's got, like, big round eyes and a little button nose that's, like, shiny. And, like, a nice smile. And she's got, like, a, like, a, I don't know, a roundish face. And she's got long blonde hair. And there's, like, these kind of like swirls around her like I don't know, want to say swirls but like maybe like vibes how what are, what am I supposed to say about this it's not smoke it's like an essence it's like a shading okay it's a drawing and it's a shading um she's got long blonde hair she's got a ribbon in her hair as like a headband and she is carrying what looks like tea service if I don't know what tea service is but that feels like the right word. Um, she's carrying a tray and it looks like it's got some, it's got some, it's got maybe like a teapot and some mugs and a bowl with porridge. Maybe it's a breakfast tray. This is for one person. It's a plate. There's some like sausage links and bacons and then a heap of something white, which I don't no, if it's the same, it looks the same as the stuff in the bowls. I don't know. And then some toast slices, I can only assume, and maybe some jam and a napkin. Okay, it looks like she's serving it up. Serve it, girl. So, chapter five, an excess of phlegm. Harry and Dumbledore approached the... <coughs> oh, God. Excuse me, but... First of all, that fell out of my face like like it always does. But this also caught me very off guard. I'm going to say it with a straight face. Harry and Dumbledore approached the back door 
of the burrow. Maybe it's not as funny. <laughs> Maybe I'm just immature. Okay, I apologize if you're underage. <laughs> and if you don't get it, that's okay too. Harry and Dumbledore approached the back door of the burrow, which was surrounded by the familiar litter of old Wellington boots and rusty cauldrons. Harry could hear the soft clucking of sleepy chickens coming from a distant shed. Hey, they live in a house, a chicken house, a chicken coop, okay? A shed? Rudy. Dumbledore knocked three times, and Harry saw sudden movement behind the kitchen window. Who's there? said a nervous voice, he recognized as Mrs. Weasley's. Declare yourself! It is I, Dumbledore, bringing Harry. The door opened at once. There stood Mrs. Weasley, short, plump, and wearing an old green dressing gown. Harry, dear, gracious Albus, you gave me a fright. You said not to expect you before morning. We were lucky, said Dumbledore, ushering Harry over the threshold. Slughorn proved much more persuadable than I had expected. Harry's doing, of course. Harry's doing. Oh, oh, sure. Harry's doing, of course. Ah, hello, Nymphadora. Oh, is that Nymphadora? Is that Tonks? Oh, okay. All right. I'm so sorry, but I say the chapter art, and then I read this chapter. And so I'm trying to guess who it is and if I have described properly. So I apologize for doing that, but that's just what I'm doing. Harry looked around and saw that Mrs. Weasley was not alone, despite the lateness of the hour. A young witch with a pale, heart-shaped face and mousy brown hair was sitting at the table clutching a large mug between her hands. Hello, Professor, she said. Watch her, Harry. Oh, hello, Professor. Watch her, Harry. <laughs> okay, sorry. That's, I didn't mean that to be derogative. I just don't know how to say words in the accent. Hello, Professor, she said. Watch her, Harry. Hi, Tonks. Harry thought she looked drawn, even ill, and there was something forced in her smile. Certainly her appearance was less colorful than usual without her customary shade of bubblegum pink hair. I'd better be off, she said quickly, standing up and pulling her cloak around her shoulders. Thanks for the tea and sympathy, Molly. Please don't leave on my account, said Dumbledore courteously. I cannot stay. I have urgent matters to discuss with Rufus Scrimgeour. No, no, I need to get going, said Tonks, not meeting Dumbledore's eyes. Night. Dear, why not come to dinner at the weekend? Remus and Mad-Eye are coming. Oh, that wasn't Dumbledore speaking, sorry. Dear, why not come to dinner at the weekend? Remus and Mad-Eye are coming. No, really, Molly. Thanks, anyway. Good night, everyone. Tonks hurried past Dumbledore and Harry into... Tonks hurried past Dumbledore and Harry into the yard. A few paces beyond the doorstep, she turned on the spot and vanished into thin air. Harry noticed that Mrs. Weasley looked troubled. Well, I see. I shall see you at Hogwarts. Oh my God! What? I'm sorry. Ooh, I need to prepare. I need to like. L the thing about it is, I'm trying to just like read a little bit ahead to see who's who's saying the thing, and then I'm trying to say the thing while I'm reading ahead to say so who's saying the thing. You know what I'm saying? So. It's kind of a struggle, and maybe I should help myself out by reading it uh, beforehand, but that would be no fun at all. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. Now I don't know where I was. Okay. Tonks hurried past Dumbledore and Harry into the yard. A few paces behind. Oh, she did that. Mrs. Weasel looked troubled. Well, I shall see you at Hogwarts, Harry, said Dumbledore. Take care of yourself. Molly, your servant. I don't know. How, these are the weirdest things. These are like I, words that I don't know how anyone would say it because I would never say such a thing. And maybe that's just me being my, um, what's the word? Like, I don't know. Uncultured self? Okay. Whatever. He made Mrs. Weasley a bow and followed Tonks, vanishing at precisely the same spot. Mrs. Weasley closed the door on the empty yard and then steered Harry by the shoulders into the full glow of the lantern on the table to examine his appearance. Oh boy. Oh boy. So, you wouldn't know this otherwise, but I'm going to tell you because misery loves company. Um, so I was reading yesterday... And um, I didn't finish the chapter. So then today, there's things I should be doing. And I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. So I'll just do this instead. Um, so I come to do it. And I'm listening to what I said last time to see where I was. Because I don't remember at all. And then realized that my bookmark was ten. Like I had read ten pages. And, um, evidently did not record or deleted the recording or some sort of, <laughs> some sort of, uh, issue happened. I do not know, but I'm going to reread it, which is fine. You won't know the difference, obviously, because you'll never have heard the first time. But I guess maybe I shouldn't have told you that because now you might expect more from me. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Actually, there is a voice coming and it is exactly... I just, I can't, okay? I apologize ahead of time, but this, I'm sorry for this mid, 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 mid chapter, um, little interruption, but I needed to share my distress. And who better to share it with than you? <laughs> okay, um, all right. She examined his, his appearance. You're like Ron, she sighed, looking him up and down. Both of you look as though you've had stretching jinxes put on you. I swear Ron's grown four inches since I last bought him school robes. Are you hungry, Harry? Yeah, I am, said Harry, suddenly realizing just how hungry he was. Sit down, dear, I'll knock something up. I'll knock something up. I'll just go ahead and impregnate something for you. I've never heard such a turn of a phrase, and I kind of love it. I'll knock something up for you. Yeah, see? I'll knock something up for you, see? <laughs> okay, I don't think Molly Weasley talks like that, but... In my dream world, she do. As Harry sat down, a furry ginger cat with a squashed face jumped onto his knees and settled there, purring. So Hermione's here? He asked happily as he tickled Crookshanks behind the ears. Oh, yes, she arrived the day before yesterday, said Mrs. Weasley, wrapping a large iron pot with her wand. Iron. Iron. I don't like that word. I feel like I can't pronounce it, and I. But I also feel like. Mm, 
I don't know how else thing is my mouth, my throat, whatever you want to call it, doesn't make the sound. I don't know what sound it's supposed to be, but it just doesn't feel right when I say iron. I earn. I earn. That's how I say iron. Do you know what I'm saying? So that that's just what I'm that just is not correct. I mean I could say iron. Iron. But that also does not feel correct. So maybe I should Maybe we should be worried about this more frequently because there's a, t I say this word all the time because there's a team at work. We have different teams. We're on different teams. Sorry. I'm, I, I'm all off the rails here. I'm going off the rails. Yeah, my team, my team name is Slate. And so uh, that's fine. I love it. It's good. Like my teammates. They're cool. Like them. They're great. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Um, there's a different team. And they are Team Iron. 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 They're Iron. Okay. And um, we kind of work on similar stuff. Like, I don't know. We're both building new things. So, like, like certain things they've done already, I'm kind of looking at as an example. But, anyway. Iron. So, I'm... I don't want to say frequently finding things that they messed up, but like I am frequently getting caught with things that I've messed up because I'm looking at theirs as an example. If, if <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like I, I, yeah, 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 I get that I could be like using my brain more, but I also feel like I need a checklist, and if I don't have a checklist, and the checklist is supposed to just come from somewhere in my brain, I can't just do. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, I can't keep track. I don't know what it is or what's going on in my head, but I like, find it difficult to remember things like without reminders. Um, but yeah, losing my shit. Losing my shit over here! Team Iron. Anyway, she wrapped the large iron pot with her wand. It bounced onto the stove with a loud clang and began to bubble at once. Everyone's in bed, of course. We didn't expect you for hours. Here you are. She tapped the pot again. Oh, I forgot I had to read this part. Oh my gosh, I'm remembering things from last night. <laughs> I'm remembering what happens is what I'm saying. I guess maybe I'm not so mad about rereading. It's kind of funny, so... All right, whatever. I should bring this book to work because I've been meaning, I, like, when I go to the office, I uh, inevitably take a break eventually. Sometimes I don't take a break at all, which is probably not my best move, but um, I always take lunch because I legally have to. But anyway, I uh, like to read on my breaks and on lunch. Like, if I bring a lunch and I eat in the cafeteria, I'll read my book. I don't have any good, I don't have any, okay, that's not true. My books, my, my shelves are filled and I, um, Scooty, this is not the time. Okay, whatever, I guess I did allow this. I opened the door for him. You shouldn't be in here, but he came in here and now he's bugging me. Um, this disgusting creature, my elderly man cat. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked. Yep, completely lost track of what I was just saying. I think I should maybe stop wandering. <laughs> it 
And um, I know I was talking about we're taking a break. I need to read a book. Maybe I should just bring this book to read on my breaks. Is all I'm saying. I was trying to make a stab at my shelves by taking books I haven't read read that are on my shelves, bringing them to work, reading them because I feel like I have more books that I haven't read than I have books that I have read. Then I'm also like I have tons of books that I don't care to read again, so I should just get rid of it because. I'm like, screw this book. I don't like this book. It's not the story for me. Or it's like feels like a waste of time or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Anyway, okay. We we had this discussion the other day, kind of, about like moving books across the country, basically, that you're just like, why'd I move this? Yeah, I need to do an assessment of that on my house because the thing is I've like been living in this house for a while now and I'm really... Uh, feel like I'm running out of space but also I feel like I have tons of things that I do not utilize or use so I should just give them to someone who would use them who could use them etc okay now my rant is over and the cat has found himself a comfortable spot on my lap I am sitting cross-legged um Indian style so to speak i I don't mean that, like, racially, derogatorily, but, yeah, I guess that is derogatory, isn't it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't mean it that way. That's all I'm saying. I'm sitting with my legs crossed, and I'm basically hunched over my book, which is sitting on my squash mallow, which is a bunny rabbit. The cat's is sitting inside of my crossed legs, naturally. That's how he rolls. Okay, I'm getting really, really sidetracked. I'm very so sorry. Very so sorry. Gotta get her done. Let's get her done. <laughs> okay, but to be honest, I am saying I feel like I don't feel bad because Libby. I know this... If you're not Libby, you could just, like, fast... I mean, could you really fast for... I guess here you are, still listening, but... Maybe. I don't know. Um... I looked up some copyright infringement stuff today, and I'm like, mm-hmm, yes. I do not know that the book I'm reading is, like, public domain for me to share. So, I think I am infringing. But without further ado, now that everyone's comfy, the cat has now pinned me down by my arm as well. I... We'll continue reading if I can figure out where in tarnation I was talking about iron. Okay, there we are. Love it. It's true conscious. Okay. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley was wrapping an a large iron pot with her wand. It bounced onto the stove with a loud clang and began to bubble at once. Everyone's in bed, of course. Oh yeah, of course she said I have already said these things, I swear. We didn't expect you for hours. She tapped the pot again. It rose into the air, flew toward Harry, and tipped over. Mrs. Weasley slid a bowl neatly beneath it, just in time to catch the stream of thick, steaming onion soup. Bread, dear? Thanks, Mrs. Weasley. She waved her hand over her shoulder. A loaf of bread and a knife soared gracefully onto the table. As the loaf sliced itself and the soup pot dropped back onto the stove, Mrs. Weasley sat down opposite him. Yo, if I could cook with magic... I think I might like cooking more. Maybe not. Nope. 
I feel like maybe cooking is overrated. <laughs> then sometimes I'm like, oh, if I had like a big, nice, spacious area with so many surfaces that I could not set enough things, um, then I would, then I would like, like cooking, but it's just not true. Simply untrue. Anyway, she sat down opposite him. So, you persuaded Horace Slughorn to take the job? Harry nodded, his mouth so full of hot soup that he could not speak. He taught Arthur and me, said Mrs. Weasley. He was at Hogwarts for ages, started around the time as Dum- Well, started around the same time as Dumbledore, I think. Did you like him? His mouth now full of bread, Harry shrugged and gave a noncommittal jerk of the head. I know what you mean, said Mrs. Weasley, nodding wisely. Of course, he can be charming when he wants to be, but Arthur's never liked him much. The ministry's littered with Slughorn's old favorites. He was always good at giving leg-ups, but he never had much time for Arthur. Didn't seem to think he was enough of a high flyer. Well, that just shows you. Even Slughorn makes mistakes. I don't know whether Ron's told you in any of his letters. It's only just happened, but Arthur's been promoted. It could not have been clear that Mrs. Weasley had been bursting to say this. Harry swallowed a large amount of very hot soup and thought it could feel... It could feel... Okay. Um, sorry, Harry, I didn't mean that. Harry swallowed a large amount of very hot soup and thought he could feel his throat blistering. All right, Scooty. Make your move, dude. Just don't lay on my phone, please. Okay. Sorry. It could not have been clear that Mrs. Weasley was... Oh, yes, he drank the large hot soup and thought he could feel his throat blistering. That's great, he gasped. You are sweet, beamed Mrs. Weasley, possibly taking his scooty, you perverted sack. He's left the snuggle to lick himself. Scooty, is he licking his butt, I think? Yeah, he appears to be licking his butt. I hope he didn't take a poo on me. He's been having some loose farts, if you catch my drift. It does not appear so, but he's disgusting. All right, that is nasty. I'm so sorry to have shared that with you, but this is the reality I'm living in. <laughs> okay, where was I? It could not have been clear she was bursting. He gasped. The throat was blistering. That's great, he gasped. You are sweet, beamed Mrs. Weasley, possibly taking his watering eyes for emotion at the news. Yes, Rufus Scrimgeour has set up several new offices in response to the present situation, and Arthur's heading the office for the detection and confiscation of counterfeit defensive spells and protective objects. It's a big job. He's got ten people reporting to him now. What exactly? Well, you see, in all the panic about you-know-who, odd things have been cropping up for sale everywhere. Things that are supposed to guard against you-know-who and the Death Eaters. Can you imagine the kind of thing, so-called protective potions, that are really gravy with a bit of bubbo tuber pus added, or instructions for defensive jinxes that actually make your ears fall off? Well, 
In the main, the perpetrators are just people like Mundungus Fletcher, who've never done an honest day's work in their lives, and are taking advantage of how frightened everybody is. But every now and then, something really nasty turns up. The other day, Arthur confiscated a box of cursed sneakoscopes that were almost certainly planted by a Death Eater. So you see, it's a very important job, and I tell him it's just silly to miss dealing with spark plugs and toasters and all the rest of that muggle rubbish, Mrs. Weasley ended her speech with a stern look, as if it had been Harry suggesting that it was natural to miss smart... To miss spark plugs. Is Mr. Weasley still at work? Harry asked. Yes, he is. As a matter of fact, he's a tiny bit late. He said he'd be back to... He'd be backed. He'd be backed around here. Backed around here midnight. She turned to look at a large clock that was perched awkwardly on top of a pile of sheets in the washing basket at the end of the table. Harry recognized it at once. It had nine hands, each inscribed with the family, I'm sorry, with the, it was inscribed with the name of a family member, and usually hung on the Weasley sitting room wall, though its current position suggested that Mrs. Weasley had taken to carrying it around the house with her. Every single one of its nine hands was now pointing at mortal peril. That's right, my dudes, in quotes, mortal peril. It's been like that for a while now, said Mrs. Weasley. It's Wednesday, my dudes. Oh my god, it's Wednesday, my dudes. It's Wednesday, my dudes. Okay, sorry. Mrs. It's been like that for a while now, said Mrs. Weasley, in an unconvincingly casual voice. Ever since you-know-who came back into the open, I suppose everybody's in mortal danger now. I don't think it can just... I don't think it can be just our family, but I don't know anyone else who's got a clock like this, so I can't check. Oh, with a sudden exclamation, she pointed at the clock's face. Mr. Weasley's hand had switched to traveling, in quotations, traveling. He's coming. (laughs) He's coming. Ooh. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. And sure enough, a moment later, there was a knock on the back door. (laughs) Sure enough, after he came, there was a knock on the back door. Sure enough. Mrs. Weasley jumped up and hurried to it with one hand on the doorknob and her face pressed against the wood. She called softly. I'm so sorry. Why is this so sexual? Arthur, is that you? Yes, came Mr. Weasley's weary voice. But I would say that even if I were a Death Eater, dear. Ask the question. Oh, honestly, Molly? All right, all right. What is your dearest ambition? To find out how airplanes stay up. How airplanes stay up. How our planes stay up. I love it. Because, my dude, it's a great question. It's a great question. This is a great question that YouTube... Okay, wait, hold on. What year is it supposed to be? Like, 1998? I don't know. I feel like... Mm, 
you know how airplanes work. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's a mogul device. Come on, Mr. Weasley. All right. I love Mr. Weasley's, like, appreciation for muggles. It's just, it's so heartening, you know? Because I feel like, I just feel like, um, Mr. Weasley, like, I don't know, it's just, what's the words? I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm not expressing myself with words. It just feels kind and like it shows that he's like a good person because he's not, you know what I'm saying? Like the bad guys here want to just kill and destroy muggles. And they feel like people who are muggles or muggle born are garbage. Like that's Lord Walmart's thing. And frankly, I feel like this book is going to maybe lean towards uh, with Slughorn. We're going to see like, the racist maybe but not racist you know what i'm saying like how racism and stuff i i don't know is that re crazy for me to draw connections that i do not know but um it's interesting to me okay oh interesting okay sorry no i was just thinking about uh voldemort and what he does to people and um how that equals could equate maybe to it's not he doesn't enslave people because he would just kill them and reanimate their bodies right we talked about the inferior but also you could just you could just uh make someone he did make people do what he wanted them to do like and i know that's not the same thing but you know what i'm saying okay never mind here we go any hoot oh mrs weasley okay Molly! Oh, for airplane stay up. Okay, I'm sorry. Mrs. Weasley nodded and turned the doorknob. But apparently Mr. Weasley was holding tight to it on the other side, because the door remained firmly shut. Molly, I've got to ask you your question first. Arthur, really? This is just silly. What do you like me to call you when we're alone together? Even by the dim light of the lantern. Harry could tell that Mrs. Weasley had turned bright red. He himself felt suddenly warm around the ears and neck, and hastily gulped soup, clattering his spoon as loudly as he could against the bowl. Molly Wobbles, whispered a mortified Mrs. Weasley <laughs> into the crack at the edge of the door. <laughs> Correct said Mr. Weasley. Now you can let me in. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley opened the door to reveal her husband, a thin, balding, red-haired wizard wearing horn-rimmed spectacles and a long and dusty traveling cloak. I still don't see why we have to go through that every time you come home, said Mrs. Weasley, still pink in the face as she helped her husband out of his cloak. I mean, a Death Eater might have forced the answer out of you before impersonating you. I know, dear, but it's ministry procedure, and I have to set an example. Something smells good. Onion soup? Mr. Weasley turned hopefully in the direction of the table. Harry, we didn't expect you until morning. 
They shook hands, and Mr. Weasley dropped into the chair beside Harry as Mrs. Weasley set a bowl of soup in front of him, too. Thanks, Molly. It's been a tough night. Some idiots started selling metamorph medals. Just sling them around your neck and you'll be able to change your appearance at will. A hundred thousand disguises, all for ten galleons. And what really happens when you put it them on? Mostly, you just turn a fairly pleasant you just turn a fairly unpleasant orange color. But a couple of people have also sprouted tentacle-like warts all over their bodies. As if St. Mungo's didn't have enough to do already. It sounds like the sort of thing Fred and George would find funny, said Mrs. Weasley hesitantly. Are you sure? Of course I am, said Mr. Weasley. The boys wouldn't do anything like that now, not when people are desperate for protection. So is that why you're late? Metamorph medals? No. We got wind of a nasty backfiring jinx down in Elephant and Castle. I don't know what that is. Is this a business? Or is this a street names? Like, there's a street named Elephant and one named Castle, and where they intersect, that is Elephant and Castle? (laughs) I don't understand. But luckily... The magical law enforcement squad had sorted it out by the time we got there. Harry stifled a yawn behind his hand. Bed, said an undeceived Mrs. Weasley at once. I've got Fred and George's room all ready for you. You'll have it to yourself. Why, where are they? Oh, they're in Diagon Alley, sleeping in the little flat over their joke shop as they're so busy, said Mrs. Weasley. I must say, I didn't approve at first, but they do seem to have a bit of a flair for business. Come on, dear, your trunk's already up there. Night, Mr. Weasley, said Harry, pushing his back, hunga hunga, pushing back his chair. Crookshanks leapt lightly from his lap and slunk out of the room. Good night, Harry, said Mr. Weasley. Ooh, good night, Harry, said Mr. Weasley. Harry saw Mrs. Weasley glance at the clock in the washing basket as they left the kitchen. All the hands were once again at mortal peril. Fred and George's bedroom was on the second floor. Mrs. Weasley pointed her wand at a lamp on the bedside table, and it ignited at once, bathing the room in a pleasant golden glow, though a large vase of flowers had been placed on a desk in front of the small window. Their perfume could not disguise the lingering smell of what Harry thought was gunpowder. A considerable amount, a considerable, considerable, considerable amount of floor space was devoted to a vast number of unmarked sealed cardboard boxes, amongst which stood Harry's school trunk. The room looked as though it was being used as a temporary warehouse. Hedwig hooted happily at Harry from her perch on top of a large wardrobe, then took off through the window. Harry knew she had been waiting to see him before going hunting. Harry bade Mrs. Weasley good night, put on pajamas, and got into one of the beds. There was something hard inside the pillowcase. He groped inside and pulled out a sticky purple and orange sweet, which he recognized as a puking pastille. Smiling to himself, he rolled over and was instantly asleep. 
Seconds later, or so it seemed to Harry, he was awakened by what sounded like cannon fire as the door burst open. Sitting bolt upright, he heard the rasp of the curtains being pulled back. The dazzling sunlight seemed to poke him hard in both eyes. Shielding them with one hand, he groped hopelessly for his glasses with the other. What's going on? We didn't know you were here already, said a loud and excited voice, and he received a sharp blow to the top of the head. Ron, don't hit him, said a girl's voice reproachfully. Harry's hand found his glasses, and he shoved them on, though the light was so bright he could hardly see anyway. A long, looming shadow quivered in front of him for a moment. He blinked, and Ron Weasley came into focus, grinning down at him. All right? Never been better, said Harry, rubbing the top of his head and slumping back onto his pillows. You? Not bad, said Ron, pulling over a cardboard box and sitting on it. When did you get here? Mum's only just told us. About one o'clock this morning. Were the muggles all right? Did they treat you okay? Same as usual. Same as usual. Said Harry, as Hermione perched herself on the edge of his bed. They didn't talk to me much, but I like it better that way. How are you, Hermione? Oh, I'm fine, said Hermione, who was scrutinizing Harry as though he was sickening for something. Sickening for something. Sickening for something. Getting sick? Is that what you're saying? He thought he knew what was behind this, and as he had no wish to discuss Sirius's death or any other miserable subject at the moment, he said, "'What's the time? Have I missed breakfast?' "'Don't worry about that. Mum's bringing you up a tray. She reckons you look underfed,' said Ron, rolling his eyes. "'So, what's been going on?' "'Nothing much. <laughs> I've just been stuck at my aunt and uncle's, haven't I?' Come off it, said Ron. You've been off with Dumbledore. It wasn't that exciting. He just wanted me to help him persuade this old teacher to come out of retirement. His name's Horace Slughorn. Oh, said Ron, looking disappointed. We thought... Hermione flashed a warning look at Ron, and Ron changed tack at top speed. We thought it'd be something like that. You did, said Harry, amused. Yeah, yeah, now Umbridge is left. Obviously, we need a new defense against the dark arts teacher, don't we? So, uh, what's he like? He looks like a bit of a walrus. He lo- I'm sorry, he looks a bit like a walrus. And he used to be head of Slytherin, said Harry. Something wrong, Hermione? She was watching him as though expecting strange symptoms to manifest themselves at any moment. She rearranged her features hastily in an unconvincing smile. No, of course not. So, um, does Slughorn seem like he'll be a good teacher? Dunno, said Harry. He can't be worse than Umbridge, can he? I know someone who's worse than Umbridge, said a voice from the doorway. Ron's younger sister slouched into the room, looking irritable. Hi, Harry. What's up with you? Ron asked. It's her, said Ginny, plonking herself down on Harry's bed. She's driving me mad. "'What's she done now?' asked Hermione sympathetically. "'It's the way she talks to me. You'd think I was about three. "'I know,' said Hermione, dropping her voice. "'She's so full of herself.' 
Harry was astonished to hear Hermione talking about Mrs. Weasley like this, and could not blame Ron for saying angrily, Can't you two lay off her for five seconds? Oh, that's right, defend her, snapped Ginny. We all know you can't get enough of her. This seemed an odd comment to make about Ron's mother. Starting to feel that he was missing something, Harry said, Who are you? But his question was answered before he could finish it. The bedroom door flew open again, and Harry instinctively yanked the bed covers up to his chin so hard that Hermione and Ginny slid off the bed onto the floor. A young woman was standing in the doorway, a woman of such breathtaking beauty that the room seemed to have become strangely airless. She was tall and willowy, with long blonde hair, and appeared to emanate a faint silvery glow. To complete this vision of perfection, she was carrying a heavily laden breakfast tray. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, what's better than a beautiful woman? A beautiful woman bringing you delicious things to eat while you've just woken up and ready to break your fast. Okay. Ari, she said in a throaty voice, it has been too long. As she swept over the threshold toward him, Mrs. Weasley was revealed, bobbing along in her wake, looking rather cross. There is no need to bring up the tray. I was just about to do it myself. It was no problem. I'm sorry, it was no trouble, <laughs> said Fleur Delacour, setting the tray across Harry's knees and then swooping to kiss him on each cheek. He felt the places where her mouth had touched him burn. I have been longing to see him. You remember my sister, Gabrielle? She never stops talking about Harry Potter. She will be delighted to see you again. Oh, is she here too? Harry croaked. No, no, silly boy, said Fleur with a tinkling laugh. <laughs> what is a tinkling laugh? <laughs> I mean, next summer, when we... But do you not know? Her great blue eyes widened, and she looked reproachfully at Mrs. Weasley, who said, We hadn't got around to telling him yet. Fleur turned back to Harry, swinging her silvery sheet of hair, so that it whipped Mrs. Weasley across the face. Bill and I are going to be married! Oh, said Harry blankly. He could not help noticing how Mrs. Weasley, Hermione, and Ginny were all determinedly avoiding one another's gaze. Wow, uh, congratulations. She swooped down upon him and kissed him again. Bill is very busy at the moment, working very hard, and I only work part-time at Gringotts for my English, so he brought me here for a few days to get to know his family properly. I was so pleased to hear you would be coming. There isn't much to do here, unless you like cooking and chickens. Well, enjoy your breakfast, Harry. With these words, she turned gracefully and seemed to float out of the room, closing the door quietly behind her. Mrs. Weasley made a noise that sounded like, Cha! 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 cha, cha. Mum hates her, said Ginny quietly. I do not hate her, said Mrs. Weasley, in a cross whisper. I just think they've hurried into this engagement, that's all. 
They've known each other a year, said Ron, who looked oddly groggy and was staring at the closed door. Well, that's not very long. I know why it's happened, of course. It's all this uncertainty with you-know-who coming back. People think they might be dead tomorrow, so they're rushing all sorts of decisions they'd normally take time over. It was the same last time he was powerful. People eloping left, right, and center. Including you and Dad, said Ginny slyly. Yes, well, your father and I were made for each other. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) They were made for each other. What was the point in waiting, said Mrs. Weasley, whereas Bill and Fleur, well, what have they really got in common? He's a hard-working, down-to-earth sort of person, whereas she's a cow, said Jenny, nodding. But Bill's not that down-to-earth. He's a curse-breaker, isn't he? He likes a bit of adventure, a bit of glamour. I expect that's why he's gone for phlegm. Stop calling her that, Jenny, said Mrs. Weasley sharply, as Harry and Hermione laughed. Well, I'd better get on. Eat your eggs while they're warm, Harry. Looking careworn, she left the room. Ron still seemed slightly punch-drunk. He was shaking his head experimentally like a dog trying to rid its ears of water. Don't you get used to her if she's staying in the same house? Harry asked. Well, you do, said Ron. But if she jumps out at you unexpectedly, like, then... It's pathetic, said Hermione furiously, striding away from Ron as far as she could go, and turning to face him with her arms folded once she had reached the wall. You don't really want her around forever, Ginny asked Ron incredulously. When he merely shrugged, she said, Well, Mom's going to put a stop to it if she can. I bet you anything. How's she going to manage that? asked Harry. She keeps trying to get Tonks round for dinner. I think she's hoping Bill will fall for Tonks instead. I hope he does. I'd much rather have her in the family. Yeah, that'll work, said Ron sarcastically. Listen, no bloke in his right mind's going to fancy Tonks when Fleur's around. I mean, Tonks is okay looking when she isn't doing stupid things to her hair and her nose, but she's a damn... She's a damn sight nicer than phlegm, said Ginny. And she's more intelligent. She's an auror, said Hermione from the corner. Fleur's not stupid. She was good enough to enter the Triwizard Tournament, said Harry. Not you as well, said Hermione bitterly. I suppose you like the way Flem says, Eri, do you, asked asked Jenny. Jenny, scornfully. No, said Harry, wishing he hadn't spoken. I was just saying, Flem, I mean, Fleur, I'd much rather have Tonks in the family, said Ginny. At least she's a laugh. She hasn't been much of a laugh lately, said Ron. Every time I've seen her, she's looking more like Moaning Myrtle. That's not fair, snapped Hermione. She still hasn't got over what happened. You know, I mean, he was her cousin. Harry's heart sank. They had arrived at Sirius. He picked up a fork and began shoveling scrambled eggs into his mouth hoping to deflect any invitation to join in this part of the conversation. Tonks and Sirius barely knew each other, said Ron. Sirius was in Azkaban half her life, and before that their families never met. That's not the point, said Hermione. She thinks it was her fault he died. How does that... (laughs) How does she work that one out? Asked Harry in spite of himself. Well, 
She was fighting Bellatrix Lestrange, wasn't she? I think she feels that if only she had finished her off, Bellatrix couldn't have killed Sirius. That's stupid, said Ron. It's survivor's guilt, said Hermione. I know Lupin's tried to talk her around, but she's still really down. She's actually having trouble with her metamorphosing. Metamorphosing. Hmm? Metamorphosing. I don't That doesn't feel right. I don't know. With her, she can't change her appearance like she used to, explained Hermione. I think her powers must have been affected by shock or something. I didn't know that could happen, said Harry. Nor did I, said Hermione. But I suppose if you're really depressed... The door opened again and Mrs. Weasley popped her head in. Jenny, she whispered, come downstairs and help me with lunch. Help me with the lunch. I'm talking to this lot, said said Jenny. I don't know why I keep trying to say Jenny. It ain't Jenny. It's Jenny. I'm talking to this lot, said Jenny, outraged. Now, said Mrs. Weasley and withdrew. She only wants me there so she doesn't have to be alone with phlegm, said Jenny crossly. She swung her long red hair around in a very good imitation of Fleur and pranced across the room with her arms held aloft like a ballerina. You lot had better come down quickly, too, she said as she left. Harry took advantage of the temporary silence. Oops, I'm getting a phone call. Dude, it never fails that someone calls me while I'm doing this because I try to do this between work and, like, Jared arriving at home. And inevitably he, like, calls me while he's coming home. And that's fine. I love it. But it's just funny to me that it happens so frequently. But also I would like to share some other very distressing news. I am a dumbass. News alert. I'm a dumbass. I was complainering because I had read and then it didn't record. Guess what? It recorded. It didn't upload. I'm When I went to save the upload thingy while I was on the phone, it said that my thing last night failed and I could retry. Now, I'm not retrying because there's no point. We're too far gone, but it is what it is, okay? I had to share that misery loves company, you know? I have to share all my lows. Every low, every low blow. (laughs) Okay. Harry took advantage of the temporary silence to eat more breakfast. Hermione was peering into Fred and... Scooty. I love you, dude. He is... a big baby. I allowed him in the bedroom. He's not usually allowed in the bedroom. And it's better that way, because he's so irritating. But, um... He's allowed in the bedroom right now, and he was curled in a ball on the bed, sleeping. He was so cute. And then he woke up and yelled at me. And now the cuteness is over. Because he's going to think it's 6 o'clock and it's hardly even 5 o'clock. Ah, daylight savings is really getting the best of us. Okay. Now where was I? Have I took advantage of the temporary silence to eat more breakfast? Hermione was peering into Fred and George's boxes, though every now and then she cast sideways looks at Harry. Ron, who was now helping himself to Harry's toast, was still gazing dreamily at the door. "'What's this?' Hermione asked eventually, holding up what looked like a small telescope. 
Dunno, said Ron. But if Fred and George have left it here, it's probably not ready for the joke shop yet, so be careful. Your mum said the shop's going well, said Harry. Said Fred and George have got a real flair for business. That's an understatement, said Ron. They're raking in the galleons. I can't wait to see the place. We haven't been to Diagon Alley yet, because Mum says Dad's got to be there for extra security, and he's been really busy at work, but it sounds excellent. And what about Percy? asked Harry. The third eldest Weasley brother had fallen out with the rest of the family. Is he talking to your mum and dad again? Nope, said Ron. But he knows your dad was right all along now about Voldemort being back. Dumbledore says people find it far easier to forgive others for being wrong than being right, said Hermione. I heard him telling your mum, Ron. Sounds like this. Hold on, let me. I need to like read that through. It's far easier to forgive others for being wrong than being right. True that. To admit that you were wrong is basically what he's saying. <laughs> okay, I'm dumb. Sorry, my thick skull couldn't handle it. All right. Sounds like the sort of mental thing Dumbledore would say, said Ron. He's going to be giving me private lessons this year, said Harry conversationally. <laughs> Ron choked on his bit of toast and Hermione gasped. You kept that quiet, said Ron. I only just remembered, said Harry honestly. He told me last night in your broom shed. Blimmy, private lessons with Dumbledore? said Ron, looking impressed. I wonder why he's... His voice tailed away. Harry saw him and Hermione exchange looks. Harry laid down his knife and fork, his heart beating rather fast, considering that all he was doing was sitting in bed. Dumbledore had said to do it. Why not now? He fixed his eyes on his fork, which was gleaming in sunlight streaming into his lap, and said, I don't know exactly why he's going to be giving me lessons, but I think it must be because of the prophecy. Neither Ron nor Hermione spoke. Harry had the impression that both had frozen. He continued, what? He continued still speaking to his fork. You know, the one they were trying to steal at the ministry? Nobody knows what it said, though, said Hermione quickly. It got smashed. Although the prophet says, began Ron, but Hermione said, shh. The prophets got it right, said Harry, looking up at them both with a great effort. Hermione seemed frightened and Ron amazed. That glass ball that smashed wasn't the only record of the prophecy. I heard the whole thing in Dumbledore's office. He was the one that he was the one the prophecy was made to, so he could tell me. From what I said, Harry took a deep breath. It looks like I'm the one who's got to finish off Voldemort, at least it said neither of us could live while the other survives. The three of them gazed at one another in silence for a moment. Then there was a loud bang, and Hermione vanished behind a puff of black smoke. Hermione! shouted Harry and Ron. The breakfast tray slid to the floor with a crash. Hermione emerged, coughing out of the smoke, clutching the telescope, sporting a brilliant purple-black eye. I squeezed it, and it... It punched me, she gasped, and sure enough, they now saw a tiny fist on a long spring protruding from the end of the telescope. Don't worry, said Ron, who was plainly trying not to laugh. Mum'll fix that. She's good at healing minor injuries. Oh, well, never mind that now, said Hermione hastily. Harry, oh, Harry, 
She sat down on the edge of his bed again. We wondered after we got back from the ministry, obviously. We didn't want to say anything to you, but from what Lucius Malfoy said about the prophecy. Now, how it was about you and Voldemort, well, we thought it might be something like this. Oh, Harry. She stared at him, then whispered, Are you scared? Not as much as I was, said Harry. When I first heard it, I was, but now it seems as though I always knew I'd have to face him in the end. When we heard Dumbledore was collecting you in person, we thought he might be telling you something or showing you something to do with the prophecy, said Ron eagerly. And we were kind of right, weren't we? He wouldn't be giving you lessons if he thought you were a goner. Wouldn't waste his time. He must think you've got a chance. That's true, said Hermione. I wonder what he'll teach you. I wonder what he'll teach you, Harry. Really advanced defensive magic? Probably. Powerful countercurses? anti-jinxes? Harry did not really listen. A warmth was spreading through him that had not, had not, not a thing. It had nothing to do with the sunlight. A tight obstruction in his chest seemed to be dissolving. He knew that Ron and Hermione were more shocked than they were letting on. But the mere fact that they were still there on either side of him, speaking bracing words of comfort, not shrinking from him as though he were contaminated or dangerous, was worth more than he could ever tell them. And evasive enchantments generally, concluded Hermione. Well, at least you know one lesson you'll be having this year. That's one more than Ron and me. I wonder when our OWL results will come. Can't be long now. It's been a month, said Ron. Hang on, said Harry, as another part of last night's conversation came back to him. I think Dumbledore said our OWL results would be arriving today. Today? shrieked Hermione. Today? But why didn't you? Oh my god. You should have said. She leapt to her feet. I'm going to see whether any owls have come. But when Harry arrived downstairs, ten minutes later, fully dressed and carrying his empty breakfast tray, it was to find Hermione sitting at the kitchen table in great agitation, while Mrs. Weasley tried to lessen her resemblance to half a panda. What? Oh, sure. Black eyes. <laughs> It just won't budge, Mrs. Weasley was saying anxiously, standing over Hermione with her wand in her hand, and a copy of The Healer's Helpmate, open at bruises, whoa, 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 I don't know what's going on in my mouth, bruises, cuts, and abrasions. This has always worked before. I just can't understand it. It'll be Fred and George's idea of a funny joke, making sure it can't come off, said Ginny. But it's got to come off, squeaked Hermione. I can't go around looking like this forever. You won't, dear. We'll find an antidote. Don't worry, said Mrs. Weasley, Mrs. Weasley soothingly. Bill told me... Oh. <laughs> Bill told me how Fred and George are very amusing, said Fleur, smiling serenely. Yes, I can hardly breathe for laughing, snapped Hermione. She jumped up and started walking round and round the kitchen, twisting her fingers together. Mrs. Weasley, you're quite, quite sure no owls have arrived this morning. Yes, dear, I'd have noticed, said Mrs. Weasley patiently. But it's barely nine. There's still plenty of time. I know I messed up ancient runes, muttered Hermione feverishly. 
I definitely made at least one serious mistranslation, and the defense against the dark arts practical was no good at all. I thought Transfiguration went all right at the time, but looking back, Hermione, will you shut up? You're not the only one who's nervous, barked Ron, and when you got your 11 outstanding OWLs, don't, 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 said Hermione, flapping her hands hysterically. I know I failed everything. Me. <laughs> "'What happens if we fail?' Harry asked the room at large. But it was again Hermione who answered. "'We discuss our options with our head of house,' I asked Professor McGonagall at the end of last term. (laughs) "'Me.' Harry's stomach squirmed. He wished he had eaten less breakfast. "'At Bulbaton,' said Fleur complacently, "'we had a different way of doing things. I think it was better.' We set our examinations for after six years of study, not five. And then Fleur's words were drowned in a scream. Hermione was pointing through the kitchen window. Three black specks were clearly visible in the sky, growing larger at all growing larger all the time. They're definitely owls, said Ron hoarsely, jumping up to join Hermione at the window. And there are three of them, said Harry, hastening to her other, hastening to her other side. One for each of us, said Hermione in a terrified whisper. Oh no, oh no, oh no. She gripped both Harry and Ron tightly around the elbows. The owls were flying directly at the burrow, three handsome tawnies, each of which, it became clear as they flew lower over the path leading up to the house, was carrying a large square envelope. Oh, no! squealed Hermione. Mrs. Weasley squeezed past them and opened the kitchen window. One, two, three. The owl soared through it and landed on the table in a neat line. All three of them lifted their right legs. Harry moved forward. The letter addressed to him was tied to the leg of the owl in the middle. He untied it with fumbling fingers. To his left, Ron was trying to detach his own results. To his right... Hermione's hands were shaking so much she was making her whole owl tremble. Nobody in the kitchen spoke. At last, Harry managed to detach the envelope. He split it open quickly and unfolded the parchment inside. Ordinary wizarding level results. Pass grades. Outstanding. O. Exceeds expectations. E. Acceptable. A. Fail grades. Poor. P. Dreadful. D. Troll. T. Harry James Potter has achieved. Astronomy. A. Care of magical creatures. E. Charms. E. Defense against the dark arts. O. Divination. P. Herbology. E. History of magic. D. Potions. E. Transfiguration. E. Harry read the parchment through several times, his breathing becoming easier with each reading. It was all right. He had always known that he would fail divination, and he had had no chance of passing history of magic, given that he had collapsed halfway through the examination, but he had passed everything else. He ran his finger down the grades. He had passed well in transfiguration and herbology. He had even achieved expect, he had even exceeded expectations at potions. And best of all, he had achieved outstanding at defense against the dark arts. He looked around. 
Oh, I feel like I'm going to burp, so I'm sorry if that happens. Hermione had her back to him, and her head bent, but Ron was looking delighted. Only failed divination in history of magic, and who cares about them, he said happily to Harry. Here, swap. Harry glanced down Ron's grades. There were no outstandings there. Knew you'd be top at defense against the dark arts, said Ron, punching Harry on the shoulder. We've done all right, haven't we? Well done, said Mrs. Weasley proudly, ruffling Ron's hair. Seven OWLs, that's more than Fred and George got together. Hermione, said Ginny tentatively, but Hermione still hadn't turned around. How did you do? I, not bad, said Hermione in a small voice. Oh, come off it, said Ron, striding over to her and whipping her results out of her hand. Yep, ten outstandings and one exceeds expectations at Defense Against the Dark Arts. He looked down at her, half amused, half exasperated. You're actually disappointed, aren't you? Hermione shook her head, but Harry laughed. Well, we're N-E-W-T. I cannot say, I have to say Newt. We're Newt students now. Like, I should have said owl the whole time, but like, there's no way that newts are actually a thing, so I'm going to say newt. Well, we're newt students now, grinned Ron. Mom, are there any more sausages? Harry looked back down at his results. They were as good as he could have hoped for. He felt just one tiny twinge of regret. This was the end of his ambition to become an auror. I'm sorry, this was the end. This was, What? He had not secured the required... What do you mean? What's wrong? Potions, you got E. You needed an O? What? He had not secured the required potions grade. He had known all along that he wouldn't, but he still felt a sinking in his stomach as he looked again at that small black E. It was odd, really, seeing that it had been a Death Eater in disguise who had first told Harry he would make a good auror. But somehow, the idea had taken a hold of him, and he couldn't really think of anything else he would like to be. Moreover, it had seemed the right destiny for him, since he had heard the prophecy a few weeks ago. Neither can live while the other survives. Wouldn't he be living up to the prophecy and giving himself the best chance of survival if he joined those highly trained wizards whose job it was to find and kill Voldemort? I don't know. You wouldn't. I don't know. You would think. That's the end of chapter five.